All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. You can visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. As we welcome in Roger Sportsnet and Mark Spector. Good morning, Spec. How are you this fine hump day? Oh, you're all by your lonesome in there today, Kev. What's going on? Well, we got Everyone. David Schlemko at 9. He's coming in at 9. Okay. You know, that's we like to mix it up, the hours and things like that. So Yeah, I wouldn't want to see you all alone all morning. That's pretty heavy <laughs> lifting in there. Well, you know what? We had uh, Bryn Griffiths <laughs> come in for uh, Grand Fury yesterday. Okay, Bryn so, Griffiths did yeah. my first job in the business right that's there, what, man. That's what he said. He said, all these guys, between him and Al Coates, what would these guys, where, where would you be, Spec, without all these guys? Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'd be... Uh, Oh, you know, it's something I often ask, uh, uh, I'll ask athletes, I'll ask you, if you weren't in the media, Kevin, okay, what would you do for a living? What would you be doing? Okay, I'm going to tell you what my first job was, uh, and you're going to be shocked at it. Well, mind you, I don't think you will be shocked, because uh, I've shown a couple of, of, a little prowess in this, when we've been on the road at times. When I was 14 or 15, I was a pool marker. Now, do you know what that is? No. Okay. <laughs> well, no. Well, a pool, no. a pool marker. I used to work at uh, Matt's Pool Hall in Melville where I was, I ran the front table. I ran the till and uh, like I played on the front table, ran the till and then had to spot the balls and rack them up for all the old guys on the back three or four tables. So okay. I played pool probably eight hours a day, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> and when, what these old guys can't rack them themselves that was the job that was the job you had to spot the balls they played 101 back in the day you spotted the balls and then it was back then it was 90 cents a game and if you were lucky they gave you a 10 cent tip is that right that's eh? how it was yeah uh but <laughs> but true story i had a, i was playing eight hours a day of pool and then ended up uh in the championship and it was probably one of the biggest tournaments as a 14 year old and i lost in the in the final to this guy named norm lowenberg who was the, the, the best player <laughs> in southern saskatchewan and we there Is were some right? there were some great players like sam bunny and all the guys out that came from kawasis and uh Sakame. these guys were just lights out so there you go so what would you have done spec if if al coates and bryn griffiths wouldn't have nurtured you in from the gateway and things like that <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm like you, I had all those goofy jobs as a kid, but none of them was going to, was going to turn into a career. I mean, mm -hmm. I worked in a bakery, I pumped gas, I painted houses, I worked as a bus boy, but no, I wouldn't have done any of those things for a career. Uh, you know what? I probably would have been, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe a real estate guy <laughs> wouldn't have minded, uh, taking my real estate license and exploring that, uh, end of things i've always had a bit of an interest in that not enough money to do much about it but uh i've had a few rentals in my day and i probably go somewhere down that road i think what about you what do you think about well, that I, I like that i think there's uh you know there's still time for you to do that but when you were in the bakery what were you doing were you like mixing the donuts and the flour and everything? No, no, i was too young first job ever between grade six and grade seven at the bon ton bakery uh on 149th and 87th okay. Avenue. yeah still there Huh. Old Jewish guy named I, Edelman. It's right by our house. Then. Yeah, it's right by our house. 
Yeah, right. You live by there. Yeah. Um, uh, I worked. I got a summer job sweeping up, man, just holding the broom and cleaning <laughs> up and doing dishes, you know, cleaning the big silver bowls that they made dough with yes. and stuff. And, oh, man. Hey, you know what? You're what are you in grade between grade six and seven? I'm 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had a paper route before that, I suppose, but everybody had a paper route. So it's good, Todd. You know, back in those days, like I lived probably about. 15 20 blocks from there yeah. i just get in my bike and ride there my parents weren't dropping me off and yeah. you know in in those days that's what you did today if you're if your 11 year old had a wouldn't have a job and if they did and it was 20 blocks away you'd be dropping them off and picking them up it's a different world we're living now but back then we were free to have jobs and do what we wanted, man. I, I'm speaking of bicycles, I was a Dickie D ice cream guy for about three years before Ooh. that. Ouch. Big time. Pedaling that big sow around the streets of oh, Melville. Oh, those things were heavy. I had a buddy. We lived sort of near the zoo, and he'd have to take that big sucker down Buena Vista <laughs> Hill to make his money on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So he risked his life going down because the thing was too heavy for the brakes. Yeah. I and know then he first had to get hand. that sucker back up at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know first a heavy, heavy load. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, between your bike at, uh, at Oilers practice yesterday and and home run spec, I mean, we got a couple things to talk about uh, yeah, uh, work wise. Yeah, yeah. What about sports? Did a we little, ever talk about sports? A little bit. Uh, what What did you make of the, I, I, some interesting comments? I thought from Jay Woodcroft uh, yesterday. You you kind of asked him about Leon Dreisaitl and his. Uh, ornery airness is what kind of the word that everyone was trying to spit out. Uh, um, but what did you kind of, that was your kind of angle with one of the the questions that you posed to Jay. Do you want to kind of expand on that? Yeah, I had, uh, I wrote a sort of an items, uh, things I think I know column. It's on sportsnet.ca and that was one of the items. I see dry saddle, you know, that a man took a run at him from uh, uh, Vancouver mm-hmm. and Leon did not wait for the ref to be looking the other way before he you know, darn near broke a stick over the back of the kid's leg. Uh, and then the other day, I guess I didn't see this. Apparently Dumoulin had cross-checked dry saddle and it rode up a little bit into his face, or at least that's what Zach Hyman told me. Yep. And I mean, dry saddle buried him <laughs> from behind into the boards. Both of them were minor penalties. Uh, and I, you kids at home, I'm not saying this is what you do. But when I love a superstar that doesn't look down the bench and have everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. do do his dirty business for him. I love to see a guy who scores 50 goals and 100 points also take care of keeping the flies off himself instead of having somebody else do it for him. I think Drysaddle. I mean, I said in my copy this morning, mm-hmm. like 50 goals, 100 points, and you pay the price directly if you mess with him, like he's coming close to being the perfect player in my eyes. Well, and even look to the playoffs last year, you know, Alex Petrangelo gave him a real big whack, man. That was, uh, you know, more than a one game yeah, suspension above you know, and beyond more than a one game suspension. And there's you wait till that first game with Vegas. That is going to be an interesting game. Uh, <laughs> when we see that first game with Vegas, well, the best players that we all loved. Mark Messier was a superstar who you didn't mess mm-hmm. with. Jerome McGinley, go slash Jerome McGinley, see what happens to you, right? There you we go. love those guys. Like, you can be that productive offensively and still play a tough game. It's not, listen, dry settles not Messier again. Like, no. get it. It's different now. Yeah. But he's, he's taking care of his own business. He's protecting himself. And I respect that. 
Uh, we talked about it off the top. You brought up Mark Messier. Today, he was traded. Uh, the Oilers traded him today, 1991, uh, yeah. to the Rangers for Bernie Nichols and uh, Stephen Rice and then our good buddy, Louis DeBrusque. I'm sure yeah, you remember some, that trade. Some stiff named Louis DeBrusque. I recall that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some stiff, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I showed Louis an old picture of a, not an old one, a new picture of a guy, a buddy of mine's brother that took down this big moose in the Northwest Territories. Louis could have looked at it for about 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't even, listen, yeah. I remember being in the dressing room that morning yep. when those guys showed up. And obviously Bernie Nichols was the centerpiece coming back. But it was the beginning of a series of trades. Obviously the Gretzky deal was first. A series of trades in which the guys coming in didn't stand a chance because they were always going to be the guys that came for Mark Messier or mm-hmm. Gretzky or whomever, right? And you know what? Louis was just a young, impressionable guy. He, I'll be honest with you, you know him now. He was too nice a guy to be a fighter. He was a good fighter and a big, tough man. But his heart wasn't in it because he's too nice a guy. Uh, Bernie Nichols was a very good player. Like he was a ton of fun to have around and a bit of a wingnut, but an exceptionally <laughs> good hockey player. And Steve Rice was. You know what? Steve Rice was that guy. God bless him. He had every bit of talent in the world. He had the body. He had the speed. He had the skills. But he never thought the game quite at a high enough level to make use of all those assets that he had. We've seen other players like that. Steve Rice was one for sure. But I guess Glenn Safety did as well as he could in that trade, man. But when you trade, who loses the trade, Kev? Yeah. The, the guy that trades the best player loses the trade or lost that trade, of course. And they win the Stanley Cup a couple of years later in New York, thanks to Mark Messier. Yep. You know, um, do you, we talked about it off the top too. Do you remember Stephen Rice at the World Juniors? They had a pic, they had a shot of him in the dressing room after, and this is totally taboo now. They would never even get to this, but he had a case of beer under his stall kind of thing, and he was just sipping <laughs> on a couple cold ones. And it would be ninety or ninety one when they won the World Juniors, and he's just sitting there pounding a couple cold ones back, just like he was a, a grown man after a Stanley Cup win. I don't know if you remember that or anything, but yeah, no, I don't. But and they were probably half that team was underage. <laughs> Exactly. Ontario, they, back then you had to be didn't you have to be 20 or 19 or 21 in Ontario to drink so yeah but you know yeah, he was no out there underage yeah for sure but it just and he I remember him looking into the camera going you know we just won and I'm having a cold one and I don't care what anyone <laughs> says it was kind of like that so uh, <laughs> hey uh, after you uh, we saw you have your what is that a mountain bike you brought to the practice yesterday is that is that yeah, like, I like a the bike yeah. I like you know what I live very close to downtown it's a beautiful day yesterday uh, why drive a vehicle when you can hop on the back of a mountain bike and get around? So, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, well, that's what Laurie Ann Munzer says every Monday for sure. There you go. Um, so uh, did you get home in time uh, after the scrums and the availabilities to watch the Blue Jays at uh, 2.38? Were you home in time for that? Actually, I was at a Rogers hockey pool, but but it was on TV and I was watching it. And okay. I thought it was really, really interesting in the post game to see Gossman say, that the other team kind of figured me out. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm a two-pitch pitcher, and they lay off my splitter and make me throw the other pitch, which is a fastball, and that's where they got him on those two home runs. And you don't usually hear a pitcher say that, uh, but you know what? That's exactly – he couldn't throw a strike with that splitter. They just didn't swing at it, and he wasn't throwing strikes with it. Now you're behind in the count. Now you're coming with a fastball and everybody knows it. Now you're out of the game and you're throwing 75 pitches in three innings or something. Four, yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. But the point is 
the Minnesota Twins had a good game plan on Gossman, and he, he couldn't deliver a, a better game plan back at them. Uh, are you surprised that they're going with Jose Barrios when you have probably a better starter in uh, Chris Bassett going, well, being ready today and maybe and going hopefully for game three? Well, yeah, sure. I think what happens is they said, I read this morning, Bassett's sitting in the bullpen ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously there's a short leash on, on Barrios. Uh, you got, you know, on one hand, you got to win today. On the other hand, you got to have a pitcher for tomorrow. So, you know what? I get it. What you really need to happen today, Kev, is you need your bats to wake up. You need your bats to go out and score enough runs to get Barrios into the sixth or seventh inning. That's what you need. You need a good pitching performance from this guy, and you need your bats to join the party here, right? You can't mm-hmm. score one run and win playoff games. And this team's bats have been asleep all season when they when they were needed. Uh, and here we are again. They're needed. It's time to wake up, boys. You know, they had a stat on about if you don't hit any home runs, the chances of you winning a game in the playoffs are like 20%, something like that. Yeah. Like, and, and that's that simple. Uh, having said that, I mean, uh, Chapman, Matt Chapman had a home run. He was 400 feet, 401 feet. He hits it anywhere else in the ballpark. It's out. It's a three-run shot. Jays are ahead at that time. So, as we said, it's a game of inches uh, in, in all cases, in, in all sports. What do you make of Royce Lewis? I mean, we were talking about him off the top of the show as well. A former number one draft pick, been injured his whole career. He's 24 years old now. Number one draft pick in 2017. No one's seen the light. Of, he hasn't seen the light of day in this organization. They've been waiting on him, waiting on him. <laughs> I mean, and then finally, you know, it's like, man, oh, man, a number one dropping coming off the DL for the last couple of weeks of the season. Man. I mean, that's Pretty a good story. That's eh? a great story, story right there. If I was a, you know, every writer at that game was cheering for that story because he's, you know what, there's a kid that, you know, when you get drafted that high, that comes with so much expectation. I get it. You get a huge bonus and lots of money, so mm-hmm. you get paid for it and good for him. But uh, baseball is the longest road in professional sports, right? You know, there's no Connor Bedards in baseball coming in. Even Ken Griffey Jr. had to go through the minor leagues a little bit here. Uh, I don't know if Barry he did. Bonds. Sorry? I don't know if Jr. did. Well, he did. He played double-A ball for a while, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, he did. He played a little. I'm, I'm not saying he spent a whole bunch of time, yeah. but he did have to go into the minors. It's not like Connor Bedard coming out of junior or Connor McDavid walking in the NHL. My point is mm-hmm. baseball, and he's an exceptional, obviously, the best, one of the best players in the world ever. Normal first round overall picks in baseball, there's still a good road ahead of them. And yeah. there's nothing more humbling than, than going from college or wherever they drafted that kid out of into playing against men, guys that have been in single-A ball for three years and probably aren't getting out. You know, it's not easy to to hit off those guys and to strike those guys out and things like that. So anyway, the kid walked the long road. He's had tons of injuries. He finally gets his day in the sun and he makes the best of it. I think that's a... Who knows where it goes from here? We may never speak his name again. Yeah, you know, that's how how sports goes. But for one day at least, that kid had his day in the sun, and and good for him. Yeah, he's 24. And just to make a point, I don't know what he got when he signed as a first overall pick, but he is making less than the league minimum in the NHL this year. He makes 727K this year. That's So there (laughs) There you go. go. Hey, let's double back to the Oilers for just a couple quick secs. uh, So just tonight, Calgary in town, uh, two more uh, preseason games tonight and then Friday against Seattle. So what do you make of tonight and then moving into Friday? Well, I think one of the interesting battles here now that we probably didn't see coming is who's going to be the starting goalie in Vancouver on opening night. 
Uh, Skinner, I, I believe Skinner's going to go the whole way today, and Campbell's going to go the whole way Friday. I asked Jay yesterday, point blank, is it an open competition for that opening mm -hmm. night start? Who gets to be in goal? He said, yes, it is. And as we speak, uh, Campbell's allowed two goals. He's got about a 960-something save percentage. And Skinner has allowed more goals, and he's in, his save percentage starts with eight. So, you know, I get it. It's preseason and all that, but we're down into the last week here. If if Campbell has another start on Friday, the way he's been playing, and Skinner lets in three tonight, uh, I'll be very interested to see. It's, it's If it's an open competition, man, it should be Campbell starting Vancouver, so I'll be very interested to see what happens there. And the rest of them are the same questions we've been talking about. Does Lavoie make this team? Who's your fourth-line center? You know, what happens with Peterson? Does he make the team? Where's Broberg going to play? Are McLeod and Ekholm ever going to play? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on with these two guys? Yeah, those are the two. And in my mind, we were kind of directing that towards uh, Jay yesterday. Uh, Ekholm, to me, isn't that big of a problem not playing. McLeod is because I think he has to get his timing and things like that back. Ekholm's old enough, uh, a veteran player enough that he doesn't need exactly the same amount of um, preseason game time like a McLeod. Where do you see that? Well, I think that's fair, right? The older player doesn't need the mileage. The younger guy wants to get going here. I mean, it is a long season, and I don't really, I'm not worried about any of this, assuming that these are indeed not major injuries or serious injuries. I don't trust sports teams, not just the Oilers. Mm -hmm. I don't trust any sports team that tells me, oh, don't worry, it's just a minor injury. I want to see these guys play fairly soon, or I'm going to start to wonder how minor the injuries are. Were they hiding your sore arm with the St. Louis or the uh, St. Albert Cardinals years ago? Were they hiding that that pus arm on the, on the on the injury report? Were they or what was going on there? Yeah, no, it was hanging off my side. It was pretty evident to anyone who looked. Did, it was like a piece of raw meat by about the third inning. Did, did you have an ice bag on your like uh, under your jacket on the bench in between innings and stuff that like when you were pitching? No, no, ice bag. Who brought ice? That cost money. <laughs> yeah, you're putting it in your drink after the game. Yeah, maybe the and maybe a cold beer from the cooler between innings. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Speck. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, we'll see you down at the game tonight. All right, sounds good, Kev. That's uh, Mark Spector. Uh, on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, we've got a little uh, little more Oilers sound, kind of the things that Mark was talking about uh, as far as uh, an open competition uh, between the goaltenders right now to see who is the uh, starter on opening night next Wednesday uh, in Vancouver. And then... Uh, a uh, real cool angle at 840 Al Sim from Red Deer Minor Hockey to talk about the the uh, Red Deer Optimist Chiefs and and the, how how the Red Deer Minor Hockey Association kind of went about this to to get this um, uh, the transition uh, in years past to keep the the, the legacy the tradition uh, of this name and logo with uh, uh, Treaty Six and Seven First Nations and to move forward in that sense. That's coming up at uh, 8.40. Uh, still more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the program. Duke, I think you kind of stumped me on that one. Patty Loveless, maybe? I don't know. Close, close. Pam Tillis. Pam Tillis. Mel Tillis's daughter. Man. Yeah, another, another favorite of mine that uh, usually flies a little more under the radar uh, uh, compared to some of the other greats of that 
You like so? Oh, I was. I forgot to tell you. I, um, Dancing with the Stars was on last night again. So the, I'll let you go. <laughs> okay, no, I, after I, after last week when we were talking about this, yeah. I looked. It is in fact on Disney Plus. Like you can watch okay. every episode. There you. Like I don't know if the same night, but definitely the next night for sure. Okay, and can you go back to the prior seasons? I think I think the only others. I think they just have last season up there. That's it. So like, there's been like 30 seasons of this show. I think you can only watch the current season and the most recent one. Oh, uh, well, anyway, you know, they had uh, on the same time, because I was just kind of flicking, I go to bed at whatever time and now, because, you know, it's a way different lifestyle for me, but flicking through the channel. So Dancing with the Stars is on one channel and then The Voice is on another channel. So I, I was just going to say, so Reba, Reba McIntyre is on The Voice now, Duke. So she must be one of your all-time favorites. I do love Reba, and yeah. I was actually a big fan of like her sitcom back in the two oh. thousands. Um, I think it was just called, <laughs> just called Reba. Reba. Yeah, it, uh, that was always on in our household. Of course, uh, my mom and dad growing up on on her music and stuff too. So, it um, her, Reba herself, her music isn't like she's not a all timer for me. She's very talented. I'm not gonna, but just like personal taste, someone like Pam Tillis, okay. uh, Patty Loveless, Jody Messina out of the, the nineties and into the two thousands there. Those are probably some of my favorite, uh, ladies of country music mm. and the chicks. I love the chicks. Uh, the chicks. Formerly the Dixie chicks. Formerly. Yeah. They had yeah. to change their name, right? Yeah. Or they wanted to or whatever, Correct. which is kind of funny. That's sort of a little bit of a, a parallel to what we'll be talking with Al Sim at eight forty. uh, text coming in one, eight, three, three, four, zero, one, uh, 14, 40 from X Ray Goggs. Love hearing the old stories. Could listen to them all day. Uh, assuming he was talking about uh, uh, Mark Spector and his days at Bonton Bakery on 149. Could you picture Speck, Duke, going in there, riding his bike? Uh, I would imagine he would have had to have a little lock on it out front because people were coming in early in the morning and whatever. And he's washing those big silver bowls. You know, he's got them in the in the sink. And there's Speck, a, a young Speck, a 12 or 11-year-old Speck washing those silver bowls. I uh, can I can picture it in a way that uh, not so much, unlike today, people off the street that have no idea about how to wash bowls or how to work <laughs> in a bakery come in and tell him that he's a, a, a dummy and doing a bad job. So it, it's probably been the same for Speck all this time, but no matter what, he does know what he's doing and he's great at it. Yeah. So, uh, you know keep it to yourself i'm surprised that he never got into making the donuts and things like that just you know just saying hey can i get my hands into some dough here that'd be a good tool to have in your back pocket uh moving through life being a great baker <laughs> yes for sure uh rusty sends in a text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. the king george Strait for sure so i'm five times uh just overall the best country artist pure country great movie uh, the King of Broken Hearts, just an awesome song in there. Uh, send in a text. Who do you think should the Oilers start on opening night in goal? Who should the Oilers start Wednesday, next Wednesday, a week from tonight against Vancouver? Does it matter opening night? I mean, we were talking about this earlier in the, uh, well, earlier, I think it was last week we talked about it because there was sort of some rumblings coming out about it. Uh, Jay Woodcroft said yesterday uh, that it is an open competition still with two games left. Uh, Stuart Skinner will start a game and then uh, Jack Campbell will start the other game. So um, as Jay said yesterday, I mean, Jack Campbell started the first game of the season last year. Stuart Skinner started the last game of the season last year. Um and we've talked about this for days and weeks. And uh, again, my point of view is straight up. If either of these guys, if they can just push each other, 
on a daily basis, just push each other on a daily basis, uh, whether it be at practice, whether it be on game day, um, whether you're supporting the person and you're not playing, this team is 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 danger for a lot of other teams. If you can have that ability where every time a guy goes in the net and says, I'm keeping the net, and then you still have to have the ability because the other guys deserved it to say, you know what? Yeah, you're going hot right now. You've won two games in a row, but we're going to go back to the other guy. Um, so text coming in, uh, Ryan said soupy two weeks ago, and that's true. Ryan Rashog did say that a couple of weeks ago. I have a feeling this is, comes from Eden, the father of Arius. Uh, no relation. Um, I have a feeling that Campbell will be one of the best goalies in the NHL this year, not just the Oilers starter. Uh, Team Dean goes, Campbell, he should have started game four, five, and six against uh, Vegas last year too, though. Uh, that was a dicey situation uh, in the playoffs. Uh, keep firing those texts off. one 1440 Yesterday uh, at Oilers Media Availability, following the practice at the downtown community arena, Zach Hyman was asked about uh, Jack Campbell because, of course, the two of them played together in Toronto. And then Zach was also asked a, a little bit about um, how Ryan Nugent Hall Hopkins uh, will be performing coming off off that 100 point season. Here's Zach Hyman. Let's ask about uh, about Jack Campbell. We watched his post game last night. You know, happy with the way he played. He seems to be talking light. He's put together two pretty good games. What are you seeing here in the early days? Yeah, just getting his confidence. I think. I think uh, he's had a great summer. He's in a great headspace. He's getting comfortable, right? I think uh, it's 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 hard to come to a new team, right? It's hard to to come in and and make an impact and he's a guy who puts a lot of pressure on himself so I think you know this summer was good to kind of just deload and uh and get back and, and I think you're you're seeing all of his his work you know put into those two preseason games and excited for for what's to come was there any role for you guys as teammates maybe for you as someone who's known him a little longer to try and you know help him take some of that pressure off himself like what do you say to a guy as a buddy yeah, I mean, well, I, I played with him in Toronto, and I think he, he, when he came in, he set the record for most consecutive wins as a as a starting goalie on a new team or something like that. For I think he won the first nine or ten games in a row. So um, I've seen Soup at, at his very best, and and uh, I think um, those two games are, are just kind of a, a sneak peek of, of what he can do. So it's exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just happy from you know. He just seems like he's in a great spot, and and. Uh, just confident, and that's that's everything for a goalie. So if a team's right defenseman is or isn't confident, it doesn't really spread through the group. If a goalie is confident or isn't confident, what impact does that have on the, maybe the rest of the team? I mean, I think it's no matter if you're a goalie or a player, confidence is is everything. You see it uh, with the young players, you see it with older players. That's why guys go on streaks. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, our sport isn't a very straight line where you're going to get a a point every other night or whatever it is if you know it's it's streaky and it's confidence based and the older you get the the more you learn how to how to handle those those confidence swings and how to stay even keel so i think it, it's not just goalies it's it's everyone and uh across all sports really Zach, I want to ask about Ryan Nugent Hopkins and just, you know, he seems to take his game to a new, new level every year. Obviously, mm-hmm. getting 100 points last year, and he's always been well. Just what have you learned from him from being here, and what, do you, what have you seen in his game? So, yeah, well, first and foremost, I think he's sneaky at over 800 games, and, and he's just turned 30. So yeah. uh, he's played a lot of hockey. He has a lot of experience in this league. Um, 
and he just continues to get better. When when you're as good as him, it's it's easy to take your foot off the gas uh, and kind of just you know coast and get by. But I think Nuge is a guy who's just extremely competitive and uh, and competitive with himself and trying to push himself and, and get better each year, each summer, and uh, and ultimately win. So um, you just kind of see that, and and uh, yeah, it's fun to to be around him. All right, a couple uh, takeaways on those comments from Zach Hyman, uh, so well-spoken uh, and really one of the go-to guys in the media uh, when you want to talk to guys after the game, when things are going poorly, uh, when things are going well, uh, really um, puts things uh, out there in the perfect perspective. Um, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had 104 points last year. His assist total was almost as high as his all-time point total. Uh, previously in the NHL. 2018, 2019, he had 69 points on 28 goals and 41 assists. Uh, last year, 37 goals, 67 helpers to go with 104 points. Um, the playoffs is where Ryan Nugent Hopkins has to step it up. Um, he had a good playoff the, the year prior, struggled out of the gates last year, uh, just finished with one goal in the playoffs, uh, needed to provide a little more offense, did pick up 10 assists, but uh, I think the the Oilers wanted to see a little more offense out of Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, scoring-wise uh, in the playoffs last year. Year prior, had uh, six goals, eight assists in the playoffs, so uh, he was there. Um, as far as goaltending goes, well, this is an interesting text that uh, sometimes we kind of, you know, things get passed up in texts and things in perspective, even media, when you're looking at things. This comes in from Jeff Porzini. Uh, hey, guys, Skinner's uh, preseason has had more of the rookies in front of them. Uh, Campbell has had more of the veterans. Now, that would be an interesting uh, aspect to look at to really do a deeper dive in there. I'm sure Low Tide will look at that in one of his articles. Um how about the announcement today from the Oilers, uh, Duke? I'm not sure if you saw it, but Nickelback to perform at the Heritage Classic second intermission. Duke, you're a big Nickelback guy too, or what? Anybody that says they're not a Nickelback fan <laughs> is lying. They get such a bad rap. And like, I'm not going to say they're the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, like reinventing the genre, but their songs get people up out of their seats get people going. They got a few great ballads too. Nickelback's awesome. And they're from Alberta. Like show a little love to your hometown boys here uh, down from <laughs> Hannah, I think, right, is where they uh, come yes, from originally. Hannah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, Melanie McDonald. I think that's a great, a great choice. It's the Battle of Alberta, Heritage Classic. Get the Alberta boys in there. Do you want to hear a really bad story on my part for about Nickelback, Duke? I don't even know if I should say this. I don't know if I should even say this. Don't worry, I'll cut this part. Okay, about 23 years ago, ballpark, it was probably late 90s or right around 2000, I was at stage 13 in Camrose. Nickelback was performing. But it was really hot that weekend, and I I didn't, I I was, I probably, I was overserved for about three full days. (laughs) I, I mean, I was bombed for three full days. Anyway, I ended up backstage because at that time, uh, Mike Comrie was there and Josh Green from Camrose, and they were buddies. And uh, uh, Quick sidebar, we're going to have Bill Comrie on the show tomorrow from California. Bill Comrie uh, is going to guest with us tomorrow. Anyway, uh, so we were sort of backstage at the side there, and, and uh, this guy comes up to me and goes, hey, uh, you, you, you work at ITV. And I go, yeah. I said, blah, blah, blah. And he, I go, uh <laughs> What do you do? And he goes, 
uh, odd, um, Chad Kroger, the singer for Nickelback. And I just went, oh, man, I'm just like, I <laughs> I was so embarrassed. It was just an, just a terrible episode. But So you're liking Nickelback. You're liking that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be pumped. At, uh, I'm going to be watching the game, of course, regardless. But uh, that will probably keep me dialed in if they're going to, like, air the halftime mm-hmm. show on the broadcast. I'll definitely check that out. Why not? Well, they put on a great show. They were here in the city this past summer. I had a ticket to go, wasn't able to because of some prior commitments uh, that I'd kind of forgotten about with uh, work and stuff. So, but yep. all my buddies that went, they said it was unbelievable. So, well, the, in between the second intermission, that's when Nickelback's playing. I don't, maybe they announced someone for the first. I haven't seen that yet, but uh, that's coming up. Uh, the uh, Heritage Classic, uh, 20th anniversary. And, and again, we're going to have Patrick LaForge on, uh, former president and CEO of the Oilers uh, at 1020 to talk about that game 20 years ago when she was icy, icy cold. When we come back, we will check in with Al Sim, Red Deer Minor Hockey, talking about the Red Deer Optimist Chiefs. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, right after the break. Duke never misses an opportunity, man. All right, welcome back to the big program. Um, Time now for In the Community, uh, brought to you by United Sports and Cycle, uh, a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona. United Cycle's been supporting hockey and our community for over 95 years, and we zip down a little bit south of our community, head into the community of Red Deer uh, this morning, and welcome in Al Sim from the Red Deer Minor Hockey Commission. Morning, Simmer. How are you in Red Deer today? Not too bad, Kevin. How are you? Well, just great. And uh, thanks for bringing this to my attention the other day. So basically, the Red Deer Minor Hockey uh, Commission is going to be announcing the uh, the unveiling of the, of the new primary logo, which pays homage uh, to the Indigenous heritage and peoples of the region in Red Deer. So this logo, is uh, you've been working at it for a couple of years uh, to kind of align with Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 people. Kind of, How did the, the concept of all of this come about, Al? Well, you know what? We've been, uh, you know, obviously with the, the, um, the Edmonton, Elks having to change their name a few years ago and the uh, Washington Redskins and all the teams, pro sports teams and minor hockey teams in throughout obviously North America. Obviously there's a, you know, the, the people, some people are upset with the, the logos that have been uh, portrayed and the names that have been portrayed over the years and, and ourselves in Red Deer, we've been known as the Red Deer minor hockey, uh, Red Deer Chiefs since 1967. And we're very proud of our history and our name and, and our logo and um you know there was some some feedback from some media a couple of years ago probably three years ago i guess and lots of push to us and think, thinking they were insensitive towards the indigenous uh peoples of our region and thinking that we should change our name and our logo and we knew that we had a formal um agreement in place in place with the indigenous people mm-hmm. from back to 1967 and we were very, very proud of what we had and we didn't want to change and and we knew that we had to go through the the right protocol to to get the blessing from from the leaders in our area, and uh, that's what we've been working on the last uh, like two and a half, three years, probably. Al Sim, uh, Red Deer Minor Hockey uh, Commission, uh, joins us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, this conversation obviously has a lot of um, tipping points, side to side. Some people are on one side, some people are on the other. What's the reaction been, Al, that you've kind of seen uh, regarding uh, this announcement and moving forward? You know, it, there, there's a lot of people that, uh, of course, the naysayers, and they really don't know the history that we have behind mm-hmm. it. And the, the, the best part for us is in 1967, one of our board members back in the day, Earl Chadwick, who is a very, very 
uh, huge volunteer in our association. He went in his centennial year, so he went to Chief John Sampson at what was then Hobima, which of course is now Masquachis, and he had the blessing from Chief John Sampson back in 1967 to use the name Chiefs and a logo that was in honor of the indigenous people of the land we play on, on Treaty 6 and 7. And it's interesting because Red Deer is a, the, 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 where the Red Deer River divides um, uh, the, the two treaties that were uh, you know, uh, signed in 1876 mm-hmm. and 1877, and, um, and Red Deer's a unique area that, that we're on the two treaties. So we had the blessing from Chief John Sampson in 1967. The logo was, was presented, and we've, uh, we've had that logo since then. We're very proud of it. And uh, we 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 didn't want to change. And if we knew if there, if there was something wrong with the logo, we certainly would have done done something with it and or the name. So that's when we reached out to the elders, you know, three years ago and went to to Masquachis and met with them and sat down and, and just discussed, you know, what is what can be changed? What should we do? Do you like the name? Do we are we good with the name? And um, you know, three years later, here we are with uh, with a, a fantastic agreement with Chief uh, Willie Littlechild and um, and all the. Uh, the chiefs from Masco Cheese and uh, out at Rocky on Treaty 7 land as well, too. So um, Al Sim is with us uh, from Red Deer Minor Hockey Commission. Uh, so you're going to have kind of the big, massive uh, unveiling next week. That's correct? Yeah, we are. Um, we did. We, we uh, released our logo to our to our, uh, our membership because we had, you know, a lot of our teams were starting to be formalized and starting to play here in, in, um, in September. And it's going to be about a three-year turnaround. To, to we have 72 teams in our association, so it'll be a three-year turnaround in order to get all the all the jerseys uh, home and away to to have the new logo. Um, but we think we've had a dozen teams this year with uh, with one set of jerseys, and um, uh, that was released here about 10 days ago. And then on October 13th, we have a major celebration uh, at the Red Deer Arena downtown with with all of the um, the Chiefs from from the, from our tree six and seven. We have um, uh, represents Milwaukee, Alberta. Minister of Sport is going to be in town. The mayor of uh, Red Deer will be uh, are with us to to celebrate, and looking forward to um, to having a major celebration and, and having a naming ceremony. As Chief Littlechild said, we need to do he, his comments to me and you know, a couple of years ago. Where well, if Chief John Sampson was okay with it in '67, mm-hmm. we're good with it now. We just need to have a naming ceremony and, and, a, and an honor song and and all the protocol that goes along with it. So what was that conversation uh, like with uh, Chief Willie Littlechild? It, it was fantastic. You know, we first met with uh, a couple of the elders. I, I reached out to, to a friend I had at Masquachis, and, and he set me up with some elders to start with, and they kind of directed me in the right spot. And then, of course, my um, uh, connections with Patrick Garland and the Oilers and Bob Nicholson and, and all the group with the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation uh, and Chief Littlechild's on the Edmonton Community Foundation was able to set me up and get get to meeting with Chief Littlechild, and um, he was fantastic. He's just a, just an unbelievable. And the decoration that this man has is is, is crazy. You know, former member of the UN mm-hmm. um, and former member of Parliament, uh, decorated lawyer. Um, he's a uh, international chief. Um, he's only chief of, but I believe uh, he's the chief of Treaty Six, Seven, and Eight in Alberta, and um, he's helped us immensely to go down this road of where we need to, to get to to, uh, to have our, our, our name and logo blessed. Uh, we're going in the community uh, with Al Sim, Red Deer Minor Hockey Commission for United Sports and Cycle. So, Al, um, you touched on, again, uh, we know what happened or what's happened between the Eskimos and Elks. Uh, text coming in, too. We're getting quite a lot of text. one 401 1440 
props to Red Deer Minor Hockey. What a great way to collaborate with the First Nations and pay homage to the association's history. Uh, another one comes in. Uh, why is Chiefs okay, but Washington Redskins not? We talked about that off the top, that right now there is an Indigenous group in Washington that is taking the commanders to court over the name change they wanted back to Redskins to pay homage again to uh, the heritage, the tradition, um, things like that. So in my mind, what happened here, and I don't want to compare the two, but what I see with what Red Deer Minor Hockey Commission is they've been 100% transparent, totally transparent with what the the past was, what the history was, what the, what the tradition was, and they're doing the same. You guys are doing the same moving forward. Um, how key was that when you were talking to Chief Willie Littlechild, to, to members of Treaty 6 and Treaty 7? Can you kind of uh, just address that? Yeah, that was the kind of the, the big thing with, with Chief Littlechild when we met with him. You know, the first of the elders, we, the, when we first talked to the elders, they mentioned to us, they said, you know, the the, the, the chiefs, and then Chief Littlechild said, the chiefs, the, the name chiefs is the highest honor in their culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us to pay homage and be the highest honor in their culture is something that they're proud of, and they're and they're proud to have that us t- to do that. So because we had the blessing from Chief John Sampson in 67, we just needed to to, um, to tweak it a little bit. Like in our logo, of course, was uh, has been around with us since 67, and, and it wasn't correct. And that mm-hmm. was a big thing that we had to do because the the headdress and the feathers in there had all kinds of multicolors in, in the headdress. And in um, t- talking to the elders and chief uh, little child, we were told, and you know, and, and it's awesome because I got to learn a lot about yes. it and found out about the, the feathers or eagle feathers actually, and they're white and black with white tips. So that was a start that we knew we had to change that. And then, you know, we, were, we had the, the face of our, our indigenous logo, of the indigenous man on our logo. And then we had, there was some colorful war paint, I guess, maybe not off the right words, but mm-hmm. were uh, on the face. And, we, and they said it was important to take that off, which was good. Um, we had a kind of a tartan coat, which we really don't know where that came from originally, but we changed it to a, more of a leather coat that's on the new logo. And then, um, and, uh, and and then there was there was the ponytails on on our on our on our, um, our, our our original logo. So we changed that. And actually, the with the with the the chiefs, there's a ermine skin fur. I've learned is the is the the, the part of the, the headdress that dangles. And that really didn't come out too well in our in our um, our, uh, our versions of the logo. So we've got feathers on there, but we're very close to what we believe is a and told is an accurate uh, description of how it should be. And um, we're proud of that. And then the other thing we we talked about with Chief Little is we really wanted to to have the recognition of the tree six and seven land that we play on. So on the chest of every Jersey is the logo that was signed between. And, and it was actually the, it shows the, the gentleman, the, the, the um, uh, first nations gentleman mm-hmm. shaking hands with a representative from the crown. And actually in the logo is a, a hatchet that's buried in the ground. And that is their, the, the, um, the first nations logo. And we've put that on our jerseys and that shows that they're making peace when they sign tree six and seven, and uh, that will be on the, the, the chest of every jersey. And then on the shoulders, we have um, the feather representation that gives homage to the to the culture and the, you know, to the blue feather for the water, a yellow feather for the sun, and a uh, green feather for the land. So we're trying to, to make sure that we're we've we've you know mm-hmm. make sure there's every representation of the land we play on. We're very proud of where we're at in Red Deer, and and wanted to pay pay tribute to the to the 
to the culture and the land that we're on. Well, this is just fascinating, fascinating uh, stuff, uh, Al Sim from uh, Red Deer Minor Hockey uh, Commission. So, Al, uh, when you when you look at what's happening next Friday, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, so, is that can people see this logo before next Friday, or uh, is it kind of big unveiling? Kind of run us through what's going on next Friday again. You know, our primary logo is up on our website, redderminerhockey.com, uh, is on there. But uh, the secondary logo with the, with the um, First Nations and the Crown Agreement, and, the, and that part will be unveiled on, on next Friday, the Friday the 13th. Uh, kind of a crazy day, but um, we uh, we have that in uh, the ceremonies at Red Deer Arena um, with our Optimus Chiefs, our, our um, uh, U18, AAA team, playing the Calgary Royals that night. So we have a big celebration before that home opener. And uh, all of the Chiefs will be there for a ceremonial puck drop. And, of course, we'll have the honor song that we've played. And uh, we're really, just really looking forward to, um, to creating a new chapter in, in our history of our, our association mm-hmm. and, and working with Indigenous culture, Indigenous people to, to make it right and uh, to have a logo that's, that's uh, sensitive to their, to their wants and needs the way it should be. And, and we're proud of it. Well, I don't think you could say it much better than what you did, Al, here in the last 15 minutes or so. I think, again, the keyword transparency, and I think it's just amazing that uh, all our comments are 100% positive on this uh, and really looking forward to seeing that relationship, um, you know, foster between, uh, you know, Red Deer Minor Hockey and Treaty 6, Treaty 7. So uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, Am I missing anything, Al, that you wanted to add? No, I think we're good, Kevin. I appreciate yeah. you having having us on and, and telling our telling our story. And you know, it's just you know we've had a lot of uh, you know backlash over the mm-hmm. years and, and people that really don't know what we're about. And you know, we did have one instant last year. It was interesting. We had a there was a racial slur that came from one of our players to a to a player in Lethbridge. And you know, we had lots of social media because the, mm-hmm. the, the, the there was a social media you know thing went on Facebook and talking about how bad we were about our logo and our name and everything else. And I reached out to the parents of the young athlete who was. Who had the had the uh, the words uh, the word was said to him? And of course, our player went through mm-hmm. diversity training, and we, he was uh, he he was suspended. And he was a better person for it. And the the, the family I reached out to in the Lethbridge area um, was just fantastic. Once I told them what we were about, what we were doing, where we were going, that we were looking after our our um, our athletes and. And we're proud of our history, and it was amazing too because we had so many positive, you know, tweets and comments coming behind it, and mm-hmm. and we're 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 looking forward to moving forward and, and endorsing all this. So, well, uh, Al, thanks for coming on uh, this morning, uh, and that's going to be just an outstanding ceremony uh, next Friday. Wish you all the best down in Red Deer. Uh, thanks for uh, doing this today. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. All right, that's Al Sim uh, for in the community. Uh, brought to you by United Sports and Cycle. Uh, Kelly Hodgson and crew do such a great job there. Uh, a great business uh, plan, and, and you see the Stanley Cup when you when you go drive by on Gateway. It's just awesome. Uh, a great business. Uh, thanks for uh, Kelly for coming on board for uh, in the community. Um, Man, there's a lot of talking points on that. We've got a lot of texts. Uh, we are going to bring in our Wednesday uh, co-host, David Schlemko, just came into the building. Before we get to that, at the top of the hour, a uh, little sports update with the Duke brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. You can elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tee time today at cattailcrossing.ca. Here is the Duke.